0: If you're looking to improve your leadership in a measurable way, go to transformativeprinciple.org slash mastermind to see if you qualify to join a group of like-minded people who are ready to be the best principals in the country. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am really excited to be interviewing Mark Sheverton today, and he's going to talk about his... Uh, life as a minecraft author which is really cool and i hope that you uh enjoy learning about that we are going to get a little bit nerdy talking about some writing stuff and the process of writing but this is so important and this is how a real author actually does it so so often in education we look at how we want kids to write but this is how a real author does it and i think you're going to really enjoy that All right. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am really excited to have Mark Sheverton on the podcast today. He is an author and has written a series of books about Minecraft. And I started reading one uh, just the other day, and I'm really excited to start talking with him about The amazing things that he's doing. And let's start, Mark, by uh, just introducing yourself a little bit and telling a little bit more about your background. Because as you told me, you're not actually an author. You just play one on podcasts.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. So I I have kind of a strange career path. I started as a public high school teacher and I taught, I, I majored in um, in physics. Did I say a public high school teacher? That doesn't make any sense. But I, I majored in physics, and I taught high school physics and math for 15 years in California, in Maryland, and in New York. And I left that after about 15 years and went into industry and worked as a research physicist uh, for General Electric and did research in laser welding and 3D printing and machine vision and a bunch of different things. It was a lot of fun. And while I was working there, I started dabbling with writing books and got to the point where I could write books full-time. And so I left General Electric and now I'm a full-time author and I probably write 10 hours a day and it's a pretty crazy schedule. And I write a book every other month is what my contract is with my publisher. So I'm writing all the time.
0: Wow. A book every other month. That's incredible. Yeah. And
1: they're about 200 pages long and I can just barely keep up and I've been doing it for a year now and i haven't gotten sick i don't know why if i get sick then i'm done (laughs) then i'm doomed because i'll never get caught up again wow but so far i've delivered early for every book and so i'm trying to keep that streak going
0: well that's pretty awesome so i do have to get a little nerdy and ask you a little bit about your writing process because you're churning out a lot of stuff what do you use to help yourself be effective at actually writing all of that
1: So I found, I think it's because of how my physics brain works, that I like understanding the rules. You know, when I learn the rules in nature, then I can understand how to use them and how to exploit them and how to bend them how I need it as a scientist. And I first started writing. And as I told you before we started recording, I was very unsuccessful when I first started writing and realized that writing is a skill that you need to learn. And so I started reading every book I could find on plot construction and dialogue and tension and suspense and setting. And most of these books, you need a master's in fine arts to really understand them because they're very high level. But I would usually get one or two things out of them. And I found a couple of books that really broke down writing into a process. And it wasn't using very esoteric examples. You know, one of them used movies as examples, movies that I've seen not books that I've never read. And so I found a number of books that were really helpful. One of them was called uh, writing engineering, I think, something like that. And it was written and the writing process is described as if the guy's telling an engineer how to fix a car. And that enabled me to really focus on the structure and understand the structure of what I'm going to write. And I follow that structure for every book. So I know that all of my books have about 30 chapters. The chapters are about eight pages long because that's what I've learned uh, feels right for kids and kids like that length. And I've learned every chapter. I do a setup and I describe the setting and I introduce the characters and I introduce the stress that's going to happen in that chapter. And then I either have a resolution or I have a cliffhanger at the end. And every chapter has the same structure. Every book has the same structure. And if you go and you look at James Patterson's books, the billions of them that he's written, it's the same way. The, the structure of successful books tends to be the same. And so I just stick to that pattern. And that helps me think about the what I'm going to do and when I need to do it in the story. And it keeps me focused.
0: Yeah, that's fascinating. So we've had some professional development at our school recently about writing across all content areas. And a lot of that professional development has been about following a process right. for writing and how it, it's just fascinating to me to hear that you are following that a similar process to what we've been learning in our professional development what we're trying to teach the kids. And yep. it sounds formulaic, but I think that it's it's more than just that. Can you talk a little bit about how it about the formulaic part?
1: Well, you're absolutely right. It's formulaic. And when I was reading these books, the the book I found I remember now was called Story Engineering, is what it was called, and that broke down plot into a formula. And here's what happens at, at plot point one. Here's what happens at plot point two. Here's what happens at the midpoint. And I remember that book saying every successful book follows this pattern. And if you, I went out and looked at successful books, and sure enough, I read them, and they follow this pattern because that seems to manipulate the the emotions of the reader most effectively is by having these moments of highs at a certain spot or revealing something about the villain at a certain spot. It seems to maximize the suspense for the reader and successful writers tend to do that whether they know it or not. So the formula is really important. I try to talk to it with kids and they hate it, but the ones that are writing longer and longer stories and sending them to me, when they start writing longer stories, I see that formula in their writing. So they they kind of evolve to it, which is kind of interesting.
0: Yeah, that is interesting. So we're going to get more into the other stuff in a minute, but I'm really fascinated about how you are writing so much. What kind of uh, writing environment do you use? Do you just pound everything out in word, or do you have a different way of doing that?
1: I have a a really strange process and my computer. I went out and bought the beefiest MacBook Pro that I could use, just thinking that was a smart idea, and I'm glad I did. But, and, and there's a number of software packages you can buy to help you structure your writing and keep track of your characters and your character traits and all that. The big one in writing is called Scribner. Oh, yes. S C R I B N E R, or something like that. And I yes. tried using it and it didn't work for me. And what I usually use is, is I'll start out with Excel. And being a physicist and a scientist, I, I know a lot about Excel. And so I go into Excel and in my stories and in most successful stories, there's seven main events. And let me say this with first, as a precursor, there's actually two camps in writing. And so there's there's a great feud going on in in, in the writing industry. There are what's called pantsers, and there's plotters. And I'm a plotter. I plot out the whole story very carefully and figure out what's going to happen. A pantser writes by the seat of their pants, and they just go.
0: (laughs) That's me. And it ends up how it
1: ends up. (laughs) And I started out as a pantser, and my first book, Invasion of the Overworld, I just kind of sat down and wrote it. And then when I got done, I had to do a lot of rewrites and a lot of rewrites to get it so that it worked correctly. And then I sent it to an editor, and they said, Well, there's nothing happening here, and this is wrong, and this doesn't work, and that doesn't work, and I did a lot more rewrites. And when I wrote my second book, I plotted it out. Instead of being a pantser, I shifted camps to to a plotter. And I learned that there's seven main scenes in a story. There's the hook, which is the first chapter, or the first thing to attract the attention of the reader. There's the first plot point, which does things about introducing the reader and introducing what the bad guy's doing. There's the first pinch point, which is the first little action scene. There's a midpoint that's usually people call the dark night of the soul when it looks like uh, Luke Skywalker's going to lose and he's not going to be able to win. There's another pinch point after that. And then there's a second plot point, which you expose more of what the villain is doing, and then there's the final resolution where you have the last battle. And so I take those seven scenes and I figure out what has to happen in those scenes so that my character learns what he has to learn through the story and the villain has to be defeated, but not completely defeated because we like series and mm-hmm. I don't, I keep, you know, at the end of a series, I, I plan on killing off the bad guy and the publisher says, no, you can't kill off the bad guy. Sales are too good let them live. (laughs) So I always have to figure out a way to have the, the main character be victorious, but still have there be a sequel. So that's kind of what I do. I plan out these seven scenes and I write down the big ideas of what those are going to be. And then I'll write some meat around those. I'll write maybe three or four pages of each of those. And that takes me maybe two weeks to figure that out. The first week I'm pretty depressed because I can't figure out anything. (laughs) And, So when I don't know what to do, I go and I go on into Minecraft and I play Minecraft with the readers of my books and do stuff with them. And then I start thinking of ideas. And then after I do those seven scenes, that's really the skeleton of the book. Then I write the scenes that connect them together, the connecting tissue. And so I'll have maybe four scenes in between each of those primary scenes. And that's how I end up outlining the book. I do it in Excel. I shade one cell for red if it's from the point of view of the bad guy and one cell for green if it's from the point of view of the good guy. And I try to have it flip-flop back and forth to keep it interesting. Hmm. And once I fill out that outline, and I probably spend as much time on the outline as I do writing. I probably spend a month on the outline. And when that feels good, then I go and I start banging out the chapters but when I go to a chapter, I already have four pages written because I have that stuck in that cell in in Excel. And when mm-hmm. I have that whole outline complete, boy, Excel can barely function because there's a lot of data in there. Yeah. And I can't scroll up and down because I got to wait for the little hourglass to keep spinning.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And my Mac is really hot when I'm running it. <laughs> <laughs> the poor thing's about to explode.
0: Yeah. So now we haven't even really talked about the fact that you're writing Minecraft books for kids and yep. how that all came about. So one of the things that I really wanted to, to get from you though, is since you're writing so much and writing is such a hard thing for us to teach kids and it's so difficult to do. And you know, the fact that you're, you're depressed for a week when you can't figure out what the story's going to be about that anybody who's tried to write anything can relate to that. And so talk a little bit about how you became a Minecraft author to write specifically about Minecraft and how, how that, that all came to be, because that, that's a fascinating story.
1: So I actually decided I wanted to start writing when my son was about four. He's 13 now. And I wanted to write something to teach him about character, about strength, about taking risks, about maybe traits that I don't have, but I'd like him to learn, and we tend to learn from our parents by example. And so I started writing things and I wanted, I love science fiction, so I wrote some science fiction books and tried to get them published and those were a complete failure. I ended up with 253 rejections on the first book, about 80 on the second and I stopped counting, but my son had a lot of fun graphing the number of rejections I was getting per day and I was using it to teach him Excel (laughs) and he was having a lot of fun making the graphs using big, <laughs> thick red lines and everything. He at,
0: thought that, at your expense.
1: He thought that was hilarious. <laughs> so I wrote five books, and they were all pretty terrible. And when I look back at them, I recognize I didn't know what I was doing, but they were getting better. And then my son, who loved Minecraft, and we got him a server so he could have people online play with him. He invited a bunch of kids to play on the server with him, and a couple of boys ingratiated themselves to him and acted like they were really good friends. And when he gave them complete control over the server, they came back and destroyed everything and made a video of it. He, he had worked probably six months on some creations, and they flattened it in minutes and made a video and put it on YouTube and made it a point to send it to him and said terrible, terrible things about him. And then he rebuilt it, and they came back again and did it again, and they kept coming back and destroying everything he was making until we came to understand how the security works in Minecraft and then realized it was really easy to stop them, but we didn't know it at the time. Mm -hmm. And after he was cyberbullied the first time, he asked me something which I've now studied about bullying and learned that this is a very common thing for victims of bullying. He asked me, what did I do to deserve this? Because he thought somehow he was at fault here. And I explained it he wasn't, but I couldn't really do a good job explaining that to him. He didn't get it. So I thought I'd write this book in Minecraft to teach him about what kind of person would do these kind of things. And so I wrote the book and read it to him at bedtime and he got it and he figured out, okay, it's not my fault. It's these kids. Maybe they're being bullied. Maybe they have an unhappy home life. Who knows? And he realized it wasn't his fault. And I was victorious. And then I put the book up on Amazon. I self-published it. And it was really, really successful. And it
0: was very surprising. That's pretty awesome that you uh, really solved a problem in your own family's life that you really wanted to teach your son how to deal with those awful people who did that. And what I love about that is that, you know, we all want to to be something and do something. And really for for me, at least, being able to help my kids, my own kids, and uh, the kids that I that I work with in my school, I really want to be able to like make an impact so that they are able to learn the things that not just like the academic stuff, but really some different things about confidence and and self esteem and things like that, and and understand those things in a way that that I didn't when I was growing up. So that they can not right. make the same mistakes that I did. Right. So mm-hmm. I just love how you took that from a place of pain at first. And now it's, it's become a, a great bonding experience between you and your son and uh, a way for you to now make a living, which is also very cool. So at what point did you, did you start changing the focus to the Minecraft? Was it that moment when that happened where you're like, I need to write a story just for him or had you? already been thinking
1: well yeah i i had basically thought i'd written these five books and they're all catastrophic failures maybe i'm not a writer maybe i'm just a physicist which there's nothing wrong with that but i was going to give up writing and then this happened and so i just wanted to write this just i figured if i can use minecraft as the tapestry to paint this lesson onto it for him he's bound to see it and he's bound to read it. And he was. And so it was just a great delivery vehicle for, for a lesson. And since then, every one of my books has had some sort of lesson that is not hidden at all. The second book is about dealing with fear and anxiety. The third book is about how to face your fears and how to feel courageous when you're terrified. Every one of the books has something in there. Since I have a platform that I can talk to kids about whatever I want, I'm going to take advantage of that and try to deliver a message to them that we would all like to deliver to them and hope they hear.
0: Yeah, that's great. One of the things that you're doing now is trying to get kids to write their own stories about Minecraft or probably about anything. Can you talk a little bit about about how that came about Mm -hmm. and, and what your focus is there now? Yeah, so... When I saw
1: that this first book had some legs and it sold 50,000 copies in the first four or five months or so, which for a self-published book, that's it doesn't happen, right? So that, that was pretty startling. And um I decided I better make a website. So I had a, a guy make a website for me. And right away, I started getting email from kids and kids were sending me their own stories saying... I loved your books. I didn't know we could write stories about Minecraft. So here's my story. And they'd send me a paragraph or two and they kept coming in. So I would post them on the website and kids would make comments and they would have some interaction with their peers on here. And a total, I think I've received almost 500 stories now from kids, but the stories tend to be battle scene, battle scene, battle scene. And here's a sword fight with zombies. Here's a sword fight with spiders. There was a lot of that. And I saw there wasn't a lot of structure to it. And so, and I still think it's great they're writing, but I'd like to give the kids some tools to do more. And so I started taking what I had learned from reading all of those books on plot construction and character development and putting on my teacher hat again, which was a little dusty, but... I put together some materials that I could use, that I could make available to kids so they can see how I outline a book and how I structure a book. And maybe uh, they would follow these examples and they'd be able to write a little more of a sophisticated story than just a battle scene. And sure enough, I can see it in the writing that a number of kids are starting to do that.
0: Yeah. And can you talk about some of those things that you... That you share with teachers a little bit more in depth so that we can get an idea of, of what we could be getting by going to your website, marksheverton.com.
1: Yeah, so I go in and I break down the story elements, which are things that I think about, which are character development, which is which is critical, and that's one thing that kids struggle with. There's setting which is important so you can paint a picture for the kids to feel like they're immersed in. Which So that's really important, how you use all the senses when you write. There's the internal struggle of the character, which is really the whole point of writing the book is what the character is going to learn from this. And that's a really difficult thing for kids. And so I try to spell that out and give them structure for how they can kind of figure out what their example is. I mean, what, what their story would be. There's a big section on plot construction because I've learned that that's critical. Uh, You've got to have the right plot structure so that you can have the right highs and lows so you can really manipulate the emotions of the reader and make this an exciting journey. Um, I I think those are about the main ones. There's some things about character names, which I've learned some rules about, and character descriptions um, to make the characters a little more memorable. But I I tried to break it down so that there's a lot of individual sub-elements to a story. And then I put together a writing guide so that a teacher can talk about these with the kids. And then they can go to their character and write something about their character. So you could talk for five minutes and then you could write for five minutes. And then you could go to character description and talk about that for five minutes and then write for five minutes so that it's really broken down into bite sized pieces. Cause you can't lecture to a fifth grader for an hour on this, right? No definitely not. I I could talk about plot for an hour and draw lots of graphs and everything because I'm an engineer at heart too, you know. (laughs) So, I really tried to make it so that it's in bite-sized pieces to make it easier for the teacher and the student. And then I also know that not everybody learns well from seeing words on the page. So, I also recorded myself talking about these things and so there's a whole string of videos on the website there that I've heard from teachers that they've used those and they just show that to the students and they listen to me talk about plot and character and stuff. And then they go to the writing guide that I put together for them and they write down their own characters and their own plots.
0: Hmm. Very cool. So this is really exciting to me. One of the things that, that I've talked about a lot at my school is giving our students a real audience and having them find a way to write something that really matters to them or create something that really matters to them. Can you share some of the stories that you've gotten from kids that have just, you know, inspired you a little bit more?
1: So there was one that I thought was really neat that a girl wrote a story about me coming for Thanksgiving dinner with them. Hmm. And of course, zombies came out of the computer. So I had to help defeat the zombies, as I recall. But it was really a fantastically written thing. And this girl clearly had a flair for writing. I mean, her writing, you'd read it and you'd think she's a college student or something. It was just so spectacular. And she ended up going on and self-published a story that she wrote on Amazon, as a number of kids have done that have been communicating with me. I can't say that I'm necessarily the one that caused them to do this. I know a number of parents. I ended up emailing back and forth a number of times explaining how the self-publishing process go because I encourage a lot of kids to do that. And it's really simple to do that on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or any of those sites. But some of these stories that the kids write, just you know, the word choice and the sophistication of the sentence structure and the paragraphs... Um, the visual imagery that they put in the stories is really remarkable. So they send them to me and then I'll put them on my website and then I send the kid a link back so they can click on the link and see their story right there. And I've recently made, so this goes onto the blog tab of my website. We've recently made it searchable so kids can now search the blog for their name. And typically the kids give me their Minecraft name because I tell them, They shouldn't be giving me their first and last name because that's not something you should be giving out over the internet. So usually they don't give me that. They give me their uh, Minecraft name. And so they search by that. And so they'll go on and they'll be able to see their name and they'll make comments. And all the comments go through me. Every now and then I get a mean comment from somebody who's just being spiteful. And I block those from being posted on the website. A number of kids have posted their stories on a site called Wattpad which is another place where people can publish their stuff as well as something called, I think it's story tree. Does that sound right?
0: That sounds vaguely familiar.
1: I think it's story tree. There's another one that I know people have published to. You can't control the comments there. And sometimes kids can be really mean and they're not being constructive. They're just trying to be hurtful. Mm -hmm. So I look at all those comments and if they're making a constructive criticism, that's one thing. If they're just being mean, I just I delete that. I never allow it to get onto my website because I just don't think that's appropriate. And I've gotten a number of those those reviews on Amazon before and those aren't any fun to get.
0: No, they're certainly not.
1: Cuz you're just mean and spiteful.
0: Yeah. So, that was a pretty cool opportunity to learn from him. I am fascinated that he starts his writing projects in Excel. So, again, that was Mark Sheverton marksheverton.com is his website and you can get a lot of information there. So thank you so much for listening. Please uh, share the transformative principle podcast with other leaders that you know, and let's help a lot of other people learn about the great things that you are learning. Transformative principle is a proud member of the education podcast network podcast for educators by educators. Visit edupodcastnetwork.com for more great podcasts.